Turn with me, please, in the reading of the scriptures this morning to that book of Judges, where we take up again our consideration of these last verses of chapter 6. Judges, chapter 6, beginning to read at verse 33. Then all the Midianites and the Amalekites and the children of the east were gathered together and went over and pitched in the valley of Jezreel. But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon and he blew a trumpet and Abiezer was gathered after him. And he sent messengers throughout all Manasseh, who also was gathered after him. And he sent messengers unto Asher, and unto Zebulun, and unto Naphtali, and they came up to meet them. And Gideon said unto God, Thou wilt save Israel by mine hand, as thou hast said. Behold, I will put a fleece of wool in the floor, and if the dew be on the fleece only, and it be dry upon all the earth beside, then shall I know that thou wilt save Israel by mine hand, as thou hast said. And it was so. For he rose up early in the morning, and thrust the fleece together, and wringed the dew out of the fleece, a bowl full of water. And Gideon said unto God, Let thine anger, let not thine anger be hot against me, and I will speak but this once. Let me prove, I pray thee, but this once with the fleece. Let it now be dry only upon the fleece, and upon all the ground let there be dew. And God did so that night. For it was dry upon the fleece only. And there was dew on all the ground. Turn with me please and stand with me, if you will. And we sing together hymn number 146 in preparation to the message. Great God in vain man's narrow view Attempts to look thy nature through Our laboring powers with reverence on Thy glories never can be known not the high seraph's mighty thought, who countless years his God has sought, 
such wondrous height or death can find. Or fully trace thy boundless mind. Yet, Lord, thy kindness deigns to show all that we mortals need to know. Thou wisdom, goodness, power divine. Through all thy works and conduct shine. Oh, may our souls with rapture trace thy works of nature and of grace. Adore thy sacred name and still. Press on to know and do thy will. Thank you. Be seated. We come together to look again this morning at the passage from which we read just a few moments ago. The sixth chapter, verses 33 through 40, in the record of Israel's judges. I had announced in the first message that I brought from this passage that I would treat our exposition of this text by means of an outline. I have now already brought from this passage two messages using as my titles the first two points of that outline as I gave it to you in the first message that I brought. We have looked together already at that first message titled, A Storm That Was Gathering in Gideon's World. And then on last week, we considered together that second point of my outline, A Servant That Was Struggling in His Work. A Storm That Was Gathering in his world, a servant that was struggling in his work. And now today we've come to consider a sovereign that's condescending in his wonders. As surely as a storm gathers in the life of God's servants, and as truly as they struggle in their work, and may I say, every one of us surely will. And as surely as a storm gathers in the lives of God's servants, and as truly as they struggle in their work, 
just as surely our sovereign will condescend in the performance of his wonders. <laughs> I give you that as a promise from his word. In our text, these brief messages from these latter verses, a great storm, you remember, has gathered in the life of Gideon. It's all summed up in those brief words of verse 33. A great storm has gathered on the horizon in the life of Gideon. And then we saw that in the face of that overwhelming storm, Gideon is faltering and struggling. And now, lest his stumbling vessel should be crushed under the load, our God will step forward, exert his sovereign power, and lift this feeble heart high above his fears and carry him on from victory to victory. And the bulk of the verses that I have read in your hearing this morning is the story of our God doing precisely that. Exerting his sovereign power to lift his feeble servant above his fears. No doubt but that Gideon, being first and foremost, no doubt, a herdsman and a farmer, he knew well the practical nature, the normal nature and characteristics of dew. Every herdsman and farmer is familiar with the function and characteristics of dew. And so it is no surprise then that he chose that element to aid in his pursuit of understanding God's will and purposes in his life. He chose that which was familiar to him. Whether Gideon had it in his mind or not, and I think personally, probably not. But whether Gideon had it in his mind or not, due in the scriptures, had always been a symbol of God's presence and blessings. You remember in Genesis chapter 27 and verse 28, Isaac imparted his blessings to that deceiver Jacob in these words. Isaac said, therefore God give thee the dew of heaven and the fatness of the earth, and plenty of corn and wine. He pronounced the blessings of God on him by speaking of his receiving dew from heaven that would profit his 
his crops and yield the fatness of the earth for him. A symbol, I said, of God's presence and blessings. It was the prophet Hosea later in chapter 14, verse 4 through 6, who declares this, the Lord declares, I will heal their backsliding. I will love them freely. Boy, what a title. Hallelujah. Any man called of God could take those little words and preach for hours. God said, I'll love them freely. For mine anger is turned away from him. I will be as the dew unto Israel. Hallelujah. I will be as the dew unto Israel. He shall grow as the lily and cast forth his roots as Lebanon. His branches shall spread and his bounty shall be as an olive tree and his smell as Lebanon. I'll send the dew down. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Assemble of God's presence and blessing. As I've said, whether Gideon had this in his mind is very doubtful. But there is no doubt but that the Holy Spirit of our God did. <laughs> For it was to his purpose to freely adopt this offer of Gideon. This offer of Gideon's order to convey his assurance to this struggling saint, our God readily adopted it at his suggestion. And it was not just a light dew, as we might say here in the South. Not just a light dew, but it was a heavy May I dare to say it was a heavenly dew indeed. Because you see, verse 38 tells us, And he wringed the dew out of the fleece, a bowl full of water. Oh, it wasn't just a light dew, it was a heavenly dew. Such that with verse 38 tells us that with all the ground around that fleece remaining completely dry, he was able to wring out a bowl full of water out of that fleece. This word translated bowl full here is translated, you remember it in chapter 5 and verse 25, where it is described and translated a lordly dish. <laughs> Same word. Oh, there would be no missing the blessings of God in this matter. Gideon's sovereign has well and truly condescended to his need in his hour of struggle. Hallelujah. Left no doubt about it. He was able to wring out a lordly dish, a bowl full of water. 
Such is always our God's dealings with us. So great is his condescension. Someone has well expressed it in this way. They said, and I quote, Gideon, going into this vast and unequal conflict, must know if God would distinguish between the small and gentle police of Israel and the vast expanse of Midianite ground around them. And our God provides him a clear and unmistakable answer. He surely will. He surely will distinguish between the small and delicate and fragile gentle fleece and the world around them. <laughs> All the scriptures teach that by two immutable things a matter is established. You find those words in Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 18. And so it is that here our God works by his sovereign power not one but two indisputable miracles to settle the trembling heart of his struggling servant. Oh, blessed be our to settle, I said, settle the trembling heart of his struggling soul. The Lord had hearkened to the voice of a man, you'll recall, when we preached through the book of Joshua, back in Joshua chapter 10 and verse 14, the Lord was pleased to hearken to the voice of a man there controlling the very movements of the celestial bodies. And so now, here in our text, he hearkens to the voice of a man again to control the very elements of natural law. It's not in keeping with natural law that dew could fall on one spot and not on the rest around it, or vice versa. But our God transcends the forces of nature in listening to the voice of a man who's crying out for help. By the way, just for you younger people, in your science books and other places, you'll have the expression, you find this expression, the laws of nature. But you need to remember those are not laws which bind God. What we call the laws of nature are nothing more than a description of how God normally works. <laughs> laws of nature are just a description we give to how God normally works. He's not bound <laughs> to work that way. So as we look in our final consideration of our text here this morning, we learn of our gracious God's willingness to exert his sovereign power in wonders, if need be, to strengthen his weak and faltering servants. 
Could I just summarize that long sentence in one short sentence? God accommodates his weak sheep. Our God accommodates his weak sheep. Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. And verse 10. Behold the Lord God will come with a strong hand. And his arm shall rule for him. Behold. His reward is with him and his work is before him. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and shall gently lead those that are with young. God accommodates. God accommodates. Oh, what a thought, what a thought. Could you just take it to your soul this morning? Our God, the sovereign of the universe, accommodates his weak and faltering servants. Already he has clothed Gideon. Verse 34 of our text. Verse 34, and the spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and I made mention of that, I think, on last week, that expression. It literally translates, wrapped himself. God has wrapped himself. Already God has accommodated his servant in that he's wrapped himself around him. The same phrase is used in the original Hebrew. It's used also in First Chronicles 2 and verse 18. It's used there in First Chronicles twelve. Sorry, twelve. First Chronicles twelve and verse eighteen, and also in Second Chronicles twenty-four and verse twenty, the same phrase is used. But even in those places, our translation falls far short in carrying the full significance of this Hebrew word. It literally means to envelop. God has enveloped Gideon. Oh, hallelujah. But now today, we see that our God is not just wrapping Gideon in his love and power, but he's accommodating him. He is condescending to accommodate the frailty of his faltering heart. Bush said it well. Bush said it well when he said, God, instead of being offended with his servant, kindly acceded to his request. A fellow creature who had given such solemn promises would have quite, would have been quite indignant at finding his veracity seemingly called into question. How offensive was the apparent tenor of Gideon's request. And yet, the Most High in his amazing clemency, far from being offended, gives him the satisfaction he desires and accommodates himself to the wishes of a doubting servant. 
Is this, O oh Lord, the manner of men? So we, under circumstances of pressing exigency, may look for a gracious answer in our importunate prayers to God. We may expect, said Bush, a gracious answer. Do you ever face that problem, saint, in your prayer life? Do you ever come to the Lord with a request that's been so frequent, so often, and you've struggled so much? And you're ashamed to even come and you almost want to come. You almost want to come with Gideon's own words and say, Lord, please, don't be angry at me. But I'm coming again. Have you ever been there in your personal prayer life? Oh, Bush says if we were just men, just fellow creatures, that may happen. They may grow tired of your tedious request and questioning their veracity. Men might do that, but not your God. Not your God. He'll accommodate himself. Could I just remind you this morning from the amazing condescension of our God here in our text that he is sovereign and can do what he wills to do. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. He is sovereign over the stars. He's sovereign over the weather. He's sovereign over nations. He's sovereign over men's hearts. He's sovereign over everything. He's either sovereign over everything or he's no sovereign at all. The very word dictates the definition. He's sovereign in all of history. Oh, could you just indulge me to read to you this morning a glorious summary statement of the truth that's in this text written by a worthy scholar of bygone days. Listen what he said. He said this entire section reveals an, extra, an extraordinary change in the whole aspect of things for Israel. At the beginning of the chapter, we see the people utterly crowd, cowed down before their enemies, sulking in caves and dens and hiding places while their insolent masters take possession of their land, their food, their substance, and all that they had. For seven years, this state of things had endured. It had become a matter of course that when the season came, the Midianites and their allies would swarm across the Jordan and cover the land, devouring everything, stay as long as they pleased, and then return unresisted to their own country. Hmm. But at the close of the chapter, a change like the sudden melting of the snow in the spring has taken place. They are indeed the same Midianite host. 
described in chapter 7 and verse 12 later like grasshoppers for multitude and their camels without number as the sand of the seaside for multitude they're described. They're the same at the end of this chapter. They're the same kings in all their pride of power, the same princes as greedy as ravens for their prey and as hungry as wolves in pursuit of their spoil. But when they've reached the well-known plain of Jezreel, instead of tame submission, instead of frightened people running like rabbits to their holes, instead of these things, they find a nation in arms. Manasseh was up and in the field. Naphtali and Zebulun had flocked armed to the national standard. Asher had answered the call of the trumpet. And 32,000 men were at the feet of their leader. Instead of running, hiding, and yielding, there was arming and combining and defiance throughout the land. Now what was the cause of this great change? Here's where I'm trying to get you to. Sovereign. I said a sovereign condescending to the needs of his people. This author says now, what was the cause? What was the cause of this great difference? The respective numbers of the Midianites and Israelites was the same. The respective qualities of the nations was the same. The shape of the ground was the same. The resources of the two people were the same. So where's the difference? So, here he says it, the difference lay in the motive power of the will of God. Before, before his will was to give Israel up into the hands of the Midianites to punish them for their idolatry. But now, his will is to deliver them on true repentance. It is just the lesson taught, this very lesson taught by the prophet Isaiah in the sublime message he delivered to Sennacherib when he said, Hast thou not heard long ago how I have done it? And of ancient times that I have formed it? Now have I brought it to pass? that thou shouldest be to lay waste fenced cities into ruinous heaps. Therefore their inhabitants were of small power. They were dismayed and confounded. They were as the grass of the field and as the green herb, as the grass on the housetops, as the corn blasted before it's grown up. What regulates the world is the motive power of the will of God acting upon and through the wills and capacities of men. I'll tell you what dictates what will be in your news tonight. The will of God. I'll tell you what dictates what will be in your news next week. The will of God. I'll tell you what dictates what will happen in every election and in every government move in the world. The will of God. 
the sovereign will of God. What regulates the world, says this writer, what regulates the world is the motive power of the will of God, acting on the wills and capacities of men. There are in the men, in there are in men virtue, courage, sagacity, ability, prudence, wisdom, counsel on the one hand, and on the other, meanness, cowardice, blindness, weakness, rashness, folly, inconsequence. And all of these qualities have each their own proper force and momentum, but it is the will of God that gives to them their direction and their results. Hallelujah! <laughs> hey, it's the will of God. It's the will of God and nothing else but the will of God. Job chapter 12 Verse 14, Behold, he breaketh down, and it cannot be built again. He shutteth up a man, and there can be no opening. Behold, he withholdeth the waters, and they dry up, and he sendeth them out, and they overturn the earth. With him is strength and wisdom, the deceived and the deceiver are his. He leadeth counselors away spoiled and maketh judges fools. He looseth the, bond, looseth the bond of kings and girdeth their loins with a girdle. He leadeth princes away spoiled and overthrows the mighty. He removeth away the speech of the trusty and taketh away the understanding of the aged. He poureth contempt upon princes and weakeneth the strength of the mighty. He discovereth deep things out of darkness and bringeth out to light from the shadow of death. He increaseth the nations and destroyeth them. He enlargeth the nations and straighteneth them again. He taketh away the heart of the chief of the people of the earth and causeth them to wander in the wilderness where there's no way. They grope in darkness without light and he maketh them to stagger like a drunk man. God rules! Can I just tell you? God rules! This sovereign rules! God's going to help blessed old Gideon get a hold of it. I can make the dew fall on a fleece and make the ground around it parched. That's a great miracle. That's a great miracle. But I'll tell you what's a greater miracle than that. I'll make all the ground soaking wet and I'll keep the fleece dry. Now that's hard. <laughs> How in the world can that happen? Sovereign God controlling elements to condescend to help his child. <laughs> Psalm 22, Psalm 22 and verse 27. All the ends of the world shall remember and turn unto the Lord, and all the kindreds of the nations shall worship before thee, for the kingdom 
is the Lord's and he is the governor among the nations. <laughs> you want to know who's going to be the governor of the state of Georgia in this next election? This sovereign is. This sovereign is. He's going to be the governor. <laughs> he said he governs. All they that be fat upon earth shall eat and worship. All they that go down to the dust shall bow before him. And none can keep alive his own soul. He's sovereign. Oh, bless his holy name. Isaiah chapter 41. Isaiah chapter 41. Verse 1. Keep silence before me, O islands. Let the people renew their strength. Let them come near. Then let them speak. Let us come to near together to judgment. Who raised up the king, the righteous man from the east, called him to his foot, gave the nations before him, made him rule over kings. Who did that? He gave them as the dust of his sword and as the driven stubble to the bow. Who did that? He pursued them and passed safely even by the way that he had not gone with his feet. Who did that? Who hath wrought and done it? Verse 4, calling the generations from the beginning. Ah, the Lord! The first with the last. I am he. I did that. Oh, Isaiah, if you're going to be a good prophet, you're going to need to learn this, son. I did that. The Lord said, I did that. Oh, I won't go there for sake of time. Daniel chapter 2, verse 19 through 23. You know the story. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar. He needed to learn a lesson. He needed to find out who's ruling things. And he did in chapter 2, verse 19 through 23. And you know what now? What? What? You may very well ask me this morning, is the application of this truth to me? Oh, I'm not, I'm not standing up here pontificating to you about some high, lofty theme of theology. I'm talking to you about a sovereign God that rules. What is the application of it to my own heart this morning? Could I just use the words again of a greater preacher than I am over a hundred years ago and it sounds like it should be written today to answer that question. This man said, but it is of supreme importance if we would see God in history and in the history of our own times in particular, to recognize in the sages and heroes, and in the reformers, and also in the philosophers and discoverers and inventors, whose several labors have changed the aspect of the world at particular epochs, we must see in it all God's special instruments sent for that very thing and to recognize in the changes brought about 
Not merely the action of those instruments, but the results of the will of God. As long as God is pleased, listen America, as long as God is pleased to preserve a nation in greatness and power, He continues to raise up among them warriors, divines, men of genius and statesmen. When the set time of decadence is come, there arise no great men among them. Their mighty men become as women. Jeremiah 51.30 And counsel perishes from the wise. Jeremiah 18 and 18 Then says this great preacher in applying these truths, in applying these truths, to our own church and country, it behooves us to remember that we owe all our own national prosperity, both in spiritual and temporal things, to the undeserved mercy of God. That the continuance of that prosperity depends upon the continuance of His favor. And that the only way by which to maintain our power and greatness among the nations. Unless God wills to maintain our power among the nations, all the courage and policy in the world will not suffice to do so. And even courage and policy will cease to grow among us. Only God governs kingdoms. Only God governs nations. Only God governs individuals. Only God governs the weather. (laughs) Gideon learns it here. Now, in our text, Gideon learns it. What is Midian in the face of a covenant-keeping God who can change the very laws of nature? (laughs) What is Midian? In the face of a covenant-keeping God who can change the very laws of nature at His will and desire. Oh, many have been the varied applications. And some of you may have been anticipating us treating this text to address some of those. Many have been the varied applications and illustrations made from this scene down through the ages. They range all the way from the close and particular to the wild and bizarre. I'll give you only one for an example. One well-known scholar declares that the dew here in our text is emblematic of Israel. Past, present, and future. He says that first in the In the past, the fleece filled with deer, while on the ground around utterly dry nations. And he makes that comparison and unfolds it at length. And then present, he says the deer represents the state of Israel at present. The place remaining dry, whilst all the ground around, saturated with refreshing Jews, represents Israel in a state 
forming a sad contrast to the former image. Shows Israel dying. In spite of themselves, they're standing witnesses to the truth of Christianity and by their very own state, they attest powerfully to the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. Israel presently is dry while the ground and the world around them is wet. And then in the future, the relation of the type to the future of Israel is as the fleece was full of dew at first and all the earth dry. Next, the fleece was dry and all the earth wet. So the blessed time is coming when the fleece shall be full again of dew and all the earth with it. Through the instrumentality of the Lord, the whole earth shall be wet with his dews. <laughs> so this great scholar would take this text and say that it speaks of Israel, past, present, and future. Yet another makes an interesting application of the church, of this dew in relation not to Israel, but to the church. And he unfolds at length his arguments to that effect. These and many others such like <clears throat> may be drawn from this text. <clears throat> may be drawn from our text this morning. But for me, I limit myself to that which is most obvious. Gideon is struggling. Gideon is struggling with the will of God and needing the Lord's grace to bolster his own fainting heart. And in verse 40, God did so. <laughs> Don't you love that word? Verse 40, and God did so. <laughs> I limit my application of this astounding text to this and only this. It's the record of a struggling servant of God that needed help, needed the Lord's grace to bolster his fainting heart in the face of a great crisis. And God did so. <laughs> oh, I need nothing more than that. I need nothing more than that. That speaks to my heart volumes. God did so. And now, now, we shall see. Midian must learn a lesson as well. Midian must learn what Israel's enemies in a later time learned. In Micah chapter 4 and verse 11. Now also many nations are gathered against thee that say, Let her be defiled and let her eye look upon Zion. But they know not the thoughts of the Lord. Neither understand they his counsel. Hmm. For he shall gather them as the sheaves into the floor. 
Arise and thresh, O daughter of Zion, for I'll make thine iron, horn iron, and I'll make thy hoofs brass, and thou shalt beat in pieces many people, and I will consecrate their gain unto the Lord, and their subjects unto the Lord of the whole earth. Midian is fixing to learn what Micah said the enemies of God would later learn. The enemies of God must learn that Gideon's threshing his wheat in the secret of a wine press while the angel of the Lord was looking home. will result in God threshing his enemies in the full view of the whole world. Gideon threshing his wheat in the secrecy of his wine press will result in God threshing his enemies in the full view of the whole world. Gideon's going to have to learn a lesson. Midian is going to have to learn who's running this world. <laughs> it's a covenant keeping God. Psalm 126. When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue was singing. Then said they among the heathen, The Lord hath done great things for them. <laughs> the Lord hath done great things for us. Whereof we are glad. Turn again our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth weepeth. Bearing precious seeds shall doubtless come again rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. They're going to learn. Our God is a covenant keeping God. Oh, beloved saint, listen to me. You'll not always thresh your wheat in bondage. Our God will turn again our captivity. Trust him and ask him for the help that you need. Gideon did. He just asked him for the help that he needed. And God did so. All Gideon did was blow a trumpet. <laughs> Whoo, I wish I could get you to see what I see here. All Gideon did was blow trumpet and God all God did was wet a fleece and a mighty army was raised up to serve God and crush his enemies oh can I just put it to you this morning saint oh what God might do what God might do if you would just be faithful and ask him. Just ask him. 
I've personally been convicted much of late in my praying. To leave off with all the rhetoric. And in the colloquialism of our language, just cut to the chase and tell God what it is. Just tell him what it is. Gideon said, Lord, don't be angry. I just need you to help me with this. And the Lord did so. May God help us all. Stand with me again, please, and turn with me and we sing together number 148. Standing together. God moves in a mysterious way His wonders to perform He plants His footsteps in the sea And rides upon the storm Ye fearful saints, fresh courage take, the clouds ye so much dread are big with mercy and shall break with blessings on your head. Judge not the Lord with feeble sense, but trust Him for His grace. Behind the frowning providence, He hides a smiling face. His purposes will ripen fast, unfolding every hour. The bud may have a bitter taste, but sweet will be the flower. Blind unbelief is sure to err And scan his work in vain God is his own interpreter And he will make it plain